what you're gonna wanna do is you're gonna wanna head down to houseofdecline.com and patreon.com slash houseofdecline where you can subscribe to get more comics, more podcasts, more insights into the inner lives of Steven and I. What do we do? Do we jet ski together? No. But you'll be able to confirm that once you subscribe. Do we go on fabulous vacations to wine country together? No. But you will be able to confirm that once you subscribe to patreon.com slash house of decline. That's H-A-U-S of decline. Uh, and, uh, the subject we're gonna talk about today, uh, I, 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 I'm doing a mea culpa, I'm doing a mea culpa, Stephen, because, uh, last week I made some positive comments about Andrew Callahan of Channel 5, I, I enjoyed his content, and then, uh, it turns out he's, uh, he, he has a bunch of allegations against him. Uh, they started spreading earlier this week uh, about uh, doing some uh, doing some things that are within the realm of uh, sexual assault, and uh, it's uh, sort of it's sort of I had a I had a moment where I heard the uh, the old prices right bum, 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 go off because you know as soon as you praise a guy you learn their creep as soon as you endorse a person think that they have something to offer think that, oh, th- this person is maybe creating something that I would like to uh, produce or admire in some way or model yourself after, and then it turns out, nah, they're just a fucking uh, cr- fucking criminal. You know, can't do anything about that. You yeah, know, all this fame is in, in service. Reminds me of that time in 1990 when I was like, Saddam Hussein, now that's a guy I really look up to. <laughs> and then the next, very next day. Ah, uh, yeah, it was terrible, he yeah. invaded Kuwait. Yeah, that reminds me, uh, back when I lived in Colorado, I was talking to my good buddies, uh, Claybold and Harris, and, uh, you know, we all know what they did. And this okay, is... <laughs> okay, that's cool, that's cool, that's... man, I dig it, let's I just did going. your same joke, but worse. You did, let's keep I going. I did your same, this, same this, joke, this, but worse. This reminds me of the time I, uh, was in Saudi Arabia, and I knew a young prince named Osama, and I was like, <laughs> what? What a great guy. This guy's so great. This is my buddy. Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I went on the radio and said, Osama, man, you got to love this guy. So Why yeah. would he be in Saudi Arabia and not Afghanistan? Um, well, he was, a, he was a Saudi prince, wasn't he? I, what? Yeah, he's like a Saudi prince. Are you making this? I, I don't know Are much about the history of Osama bin Laden. On our, on I'm, our podcast. I'm going to fact check it. Yeah, he's... he's uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know about his Saudi associations. I don't know about his Saudi associations. I know a lot of history. You know a bunch of history. Well, that's why, you know, based on my experiences both with Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden, I knew not to praise Andrew Callahan. I could could tell. You knew knew the signs. You you saw the signs. (laughs) They were coming. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. But that's funny, too, because some people... What what I find interesting is the bevy of reactions to this. Like, one reaction is, oh, I loved their work. This is so disappointing for me because now I can't, you know, love my media again, which is a reaction that I have and I think uh, a lot of people have when you're confronted with something where maybe something has even meant something to you personally or spiritually and then you have to reconcile that the the author of that not only did a bad thing, but a, a a bad thing that sort of undermines the spirit of the art that you enjoyed to begin with as well. Um, it's that old, you know, there's the hypocrisy. I don't think the hypocrisy was the worst thing, you know, that old Nick, Norm MacDonald joke. Um, but um, yeah, there, there's that one reaction where you sort of, you, you don't know how to react to this. It didn't happen to you. You want a stake in this argument or this piece of discourse, so you have to like fumble for like, oh, th- this this little morsel of entertainment was very important for me, I f- <laughs> and you know, this sucks. I'm so disappointed. That's yeah. That's an, another thing you say is like, I'm so disappointed mm-hmm. uh, because you had appointments to begin with. You had an image of this person 
supposedly a, a good guy. And I, I don't know why that that dissolution is, is so embarrassing to people. Because it's like it affected them as uh, people say this. Like, I, I put my personality into this guy, so I must be this guy. This person is an avatar of me, and thus an avatar of me would be accused of something. That's like me being accused of something. You know, a small part of you or a small part of the you that was invested in this other person is now guilty of some terrible act. Um, so I, I think that's one reaction that people have. I, obviously, you know, the only reaction which you should logically have is, you know, terror and hope for the the victims eventually getting justice. Uh, I think that that's the only real like suitable conclusion is like, I hope this is I hope this is meted out and I hope uh, people are able to get some some form of recompense for this, some form of uh, comeuppance for for someone. Just because, you know, you also don't want this person continuing to utilize th their role in the fame professions to uh, further be able to victimize people like this. And I, well, I, he's, as uh, we, he's checked himself into the psych ward. Did you there see you that? go. I you didn't see, see that Andrew Callahan has checked yep. himself into the psych he, uh, ward. He, first thing he did was check himself into the psych ward. Second thing he did was he got a lawyer and had a lawyer respond to the allegations uh, being like, Andrew Andrew recalls things differently. Yeah. So. And so it's deny, and, deny, and then deny. And also the lawyer was like, um, it's never okay to try to exploit someone for money when these allegations are made. So they were kind of, in, he's insinuating that he's being extorted, blackmailed or something like that. Yeah, that's that's the play. So, I don't... I don't believe it. I mean, the the ones against Callahan are pretty compelling because it's several women all saying the having similar stories as to how uh, he treated them, and it's uh, it's something that you observe. Like, I don't know if, if like entertainment professions tend to attract a greater amount of predators, but I think there is something to that because part of what entertainment is is being able to cast a glamour over yourself. Even like the small amount of fame that I that I have gotten out of the dumb cartoons on Twitter, people are like genuinely excited if I follow them, which is ridiculous. You shouldn't be excited if I follow you. I'm just a, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm a moron. <laughs> that's well, no not, one in that's real not life a, is, a special event. No one in real life is too excited when I follow them. <laughs> no, you know, no, especially you on the street or late at night. Uh, stalking, stalking is often met with concern and derision. Derision, um, derision, yeah. <laughs> people don't, people deride stalking. Yeah. Well, wait, oh no, I'm I'm being stalking. I'm not. Oh, come on, I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm being stalking you. You're, you're. That's how you. That's how you. That's how you dress it up as like little, little friendly bean stalking. Yeah, little tendrils. <laughs> you're bean stalking someone. <laughs> um. That's, I mean, yeah, I, I, listen, I wasn't, I wasn't the one who funny. said I liked his stuff on last week's episode. You're right. So luckily I don't have a mea culpa to issue. Yeah, you don't have to do any, you what don't have I to do any say, big public apology. His stuff, I don't find to be that groundbreaking. And, um, a lot of people were like, this guy is the best journalist of our generation. I was like, really? Are yeah, you sure? probably not. Yeah. He just go, he would go to college campuses and then give the microphone to boys, and the boys would be like, show me your butthole. And then yeah. he would put that on YouTube, and people would be like, groundbreaking journalism. Look, yeah. wow, they're drinking beer at college. They're drinking beer at NASCAR. They're drinking beer at the Super Bowl. They're being Dang, drunk yeah. and disruptive. Um, so it's, Everyone likes that gag. Who doesn't like that gag? You'll find another person will fill that niche. He also Soon enough. he doesn't really say anything in his in his videos. He just kind of lets no. people talk, which is good. Yeah, it, it but will... he edits them, and you know he had an eye for the particularly unusual. But I like to think that uh, I could do that sort of thing as well if I if I put my mind to it as well. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, he's but a, he's that, a dude that's... who did bad stuff, and he should say sorry. A that lot. sort of segues into another reaction that people to have the the story, a very stupid reaction, where it's like, I always knew he was bad. For I hated his content. Yes, I hated was, his. That was my reaction. 
Right? I'm, I'm very righteous. Yeah. I, I, I never liked him in the first place. Yeah, which is another way of making it all about yourself as well. I, I mean, but just by doing this podcast about the subject, we're making it all about us. Uh, so I guess there's no way to escape it. But I uh, I think it's also part of the, the dialogue, too, because by discussing it, you get it out there. You get it on people's minds. So maybe we're the heroes, Stephen. We maybe we're the heroes we in spreading, spreading awareness. Right I never now. I never sent links. Actually, no, I did. See, the thing is, like, I did like his stuff at the beginning. I sent it around because he interviewed these crazy, interesting people. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, necessarily think it's like too much of him in it. Mm-hmm. But maybe it is. I don't know. You know? Well, know. what's interesting... To me, is after like one of these things happen, how you evaluate the media in a completely different way. Yeah, like, um, like before you heard all that shit about Louis C.K. When you were watching Louis, he was like, "Man, he has all these things about you know." He he does that scene where he basically rapes Bobby Hill in that one episode, and this was supposed to be funny. It's like now you can see all the clues of them telling on themselves in their artwork. Mm-hmm. Like all their all their like weird sex predation stuff becomes much more apparent when you go back and revisit it, um, which is another effect that happens when this happens to specifically someone in the entertainment industry. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, the the other huge news about an awful person or a, an allegedly awful person, which I am choosing to believe is an awful person, I'm pretty convinced at all of the allegations is Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty, who uh, has been accused of domestic abuse and uh, false imprisonment. I believe that that's not just the the charges. So the what, charges are what, more complicated. What is than false that. imprisonment? Uh, keeping someone in a place against their will, like in a room is, or a house. Yeah, yeah, sure. <clears throat> just saying they can't leave somewhere. You can't leave here. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, that's uh, that's that's troubling. This is. Yeah, it's very troubling. It's, it roils my thoughts, if you will. It's, it roil it roils your thoughts, and see <laughs> that I, I think you, you. the other the other thing about this when it happens to like fucking cartoonists or goofy ass people, people that actually actively like cultivate a, a air of goofiness and eccentricity, uh, such that it seems like this guy. How could it possibly be this guy? He's always going, ha hey. I'm 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 a crazy guy. I'm always just talking like this. Who knows what I say? You, even when I'm doing this little pitter patter, this little gish gallop that I always do, you know, I might be talking about sex crimes. But then I go, ha, ha, oh wow, oh geez, and you know, and then I, you know, he does that sort of. He's able to sort of hide creepy stuff uh, by by doing that sort of self-effacing uh, stream of consciousness rambling style. Um, of course, Rick and Morty often descended into weird stuff. Now you're, you're watching it again and you recognize oh, there's a lot of jokes well, about Rick and Morty fucking. I'm not watching it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not watching it. I dipped out after the third season. I tried to watch uh, the recent season like well before, like maybe like two months ago. And it's like, it's pretty boring now. I don't know. Yeah. He made his billion dollars, um, you know, and... Uh, now he now he's gonna have to use it all on legal defense. So we well let's let's hope let's let's hope he is not afforded more fame. But it, it, it's like weird how some of these people in the animation industry continue to persist even after like the the hammer has has fallen. One big example recently is John Lasseter uh, of Disney Pixar. He was he was one of the Disney Pixar's founding members, a titan. Of the animation industry, also a known creep, uh, and uh, uh, stuff had gone around the industry for years and years about him being a creep, such that he even had uh, "quote unquote" minders at uh, at Pixar to make sure he didn't get too handsy with the interns. Hmm. Let's see, uh, you can uh, go the allegations of sexual misconduct and exit from Disney Pixar on the Wikipedia page. Okay, I'm um, going there now. I'm going there now. Hold on, buddy. Let go there that. now. We're just reading Wikipedias to each other, like every podcast. The alleged conduct became so well known that, according to Variety, at various times, Pixar had minders who were tasked with reining in his impulses, uh, which is a terrifying statement. Uh, he's he's just getting handsy with all so the young he's just people. just grabbing people and kissing them on the mouth, huh? 
Yeah, that's what he was See, doing. That's not cool behavior. Um, you gotta wonder where is his father figure? Where is his Peterson? Why isn't Peterson here to? Yeah, tell well, John Lasseter if, if to... all of these if all of these creep animators had uh, Jordan Petersons in their lives, then. <laughs> Imagine this Jordan, would have never happened. Uh, uh, let me ask you, can you even imagine if Jordan Peterson had anything to say to Justin Roiland, how that might go? He'd be like, wow, you turned yourself into a pickle. But that that is, of course, if we go by Jung, you are turning yourself into the phallic representation of light and order. What Rick does is he rejects the lunar feminine of of the psychiatrist played by Susan Sarandon, who is, of course, peddling neoliberal postmodernism? You know, he would say to you know be like Pickle Rick. He would he would like Rick for being the pickle. Oh, and he, he would, would admonish okay. the Susan Sarandon character um, for I using bet, bogus you, psychotherapy. I bet you Peterson starts uh, talking about Justin Roiland pretty soon. Well, because this is the move now. Like, I because after all of these guys are like like the move is to go to the right wing. Yeah. Because uh, exactly. that's who accepts you, you know, that's your audience now. Because uh, those are the people who can tolerate sexual assault allegations. Those are the people who also are like, uh, you. so many men are falsely accused. So many, this happens all the time and will like in bad faith bring up Emmett Till or something like that, which is always a fucking crazy lateral move. Uh, and... Uh, so, so you know, Justin, Justin Roiland is a big component of this. Uh, the other thing with Lasseter um, is that he he was hired uh, recently again. He made a whole movie called Luck that was out on some streaming platforms. I don't know; it looked pretty generic. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was still given an opportunity to direct, even though the, these widespread sexual harassment allegations, you know, it's just, it's, there's. Uh, well, Shows yeah. I mean, there's there, a, yeah. there is a Hollywood scale. man, Listen, Hollywood man. <laughs> there, there is a scale of um, things that are bad, mm -hmm. and Lasseter has not been sure. Like, he it doesn't seem like he committed a felony. He just committed like, I mean, I don't know. Well, he, he did. You know, it's fucked up if your boss touches and kisses it you, is. and you it's, know, it's really fucked up. But like, if you get charged with domestic violence, then. Like, yeah, that's, I don't, that's a bit I don't more know of a death if he sentence. will come, if Mr. Justin Roiland will come back from being charged with this, because that's, like, very, very, very bad mm -hmm. to hurt someone in that way physically. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, also, uh, the thing with Justin Roiland is uh, there are tons of rumors, like, far more than Lasseter. <laughs> like, the the volume of industry rumors, apparently, about Justin Roiland was uh, was huge. Uh, it, it was a, it was a known, it was and a known hidden secret that he was. Didn't a the other guy Dan Harmon do bad stuff? Yeah, but Dan Harmon is an interesting case. He he sexually harassed someone on the set of Community. I don't know if that's the only thing he's done, but that was the big thing that he was uh, called out for. But Dan Harmon is such a good writer that he did his his was the only uh, sexual harassment apology that worked, and it ah. was it was astonishing to see because it was like. Man, Dan Harmon, he's like a pathetic drunk, but he can he can turn a word such that he casts this glamour over people and makes them forget about the bad thing he did. What was his apology? Well, I want to look up his apology. What what was it? I want to see uh, he, he did like a Harmon Town where he was like, see, he did it correctly in the sense that he took full responsibility for it. And um, like, remember when Louis C.K.'s apology came out in like uh, I forget which paper of record it I came did it out because I hate my daughters. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> but it was basically that flip. It was like I'm sorry you feel that way type yeah. of apology. Whereas Dan Harmon know like he knows enough about story structure, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say. But he knows enough about story structure to know that you can't pull that shit off. You need to give people like a compelling arc. Which is, you know, the, the arc that you go for is is redemption. So I he, did a bad thing. So he didn't just read I the lyrics persist. to Creep by Radiohead? No, he didn't. Okay. He didn't, that's he didn't that's do my that. go-to apology. If you, When I came here before, couldn't look you in the eye. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, none of this is funny. I'm sorry. It's not none funny. None of this is funny. 
I don't. But, these, um, these bad dudes. I don't know why they're bad. I'm a bad dude. I've done some bad things. Not you know? to this degree. To this you know, degree, you didn't. You didn't. But like, what's surprising to me as a guy who would like did some things that I don't. I'm not proud of in my twenties. Is that when mm. I now that I'm in my thirties, sobering up. I'm sober now. You know, looking back, it's like I wouldn't want to do remain like that. I want to get. I would like. I don't want to keep being like that. So I changed myself. Why do these guys? They're in their forties still doing this shit. Like yeah. Well, that's also what the, like the extremely petty thought that crosses my mind is like. Uh, not not only are you like have outgrown this this petty 20 year old shit or even in the case of like andrew callahan when you're still in your 20s and you're doing that like fucked up shit like um like how do you not worry about the thing you've built the the success that you've built being torn asunder by this how is that not like forget all moral reasons just the practical thing well, of this will destroy you if I it mean, ever gets out you know how does that not weigh? Is, yeah. is it just that you think you can get away with it consistently i don't know what's going on in his head i mean there he does have that history of his first project all gas no breaks basically being ripped out from under him mm. so that might have engendered like some kind of nihilism where he's like he does, I, doesn't care. I don't know if you can. I don't know if that's the reason. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. It's not a justification, but just to sort of explain like where, like why wouldn't he be worried? The psychoanalyzing the mind. Well, that's an interesting part of his history, which is that. Well, but his, even like someone like Justin Roiland, who like made enough money to live forever off of it and to continue. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it is just like I, I have now this like power mm -hmm. and. The I have already peaked, so now the thing to do is to get get fucked right. with it. Well, now. maybe Callahan thought like I'm 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 all powerful. I can have my shit ripped out from under me, and I can build it back up again. It does like I I you know that kind of thing where he's like yeah. When you're in your twenties, you're you're so dumb <laughs> and irresponsible. Yeah. And if you've already built a sort of hugely successful project, had it taken away from you by a shady media company that stole it from you. And then build up another one. He's probably like, I can do no wrong, you know. Yeah, I, I can do whatever I, I, I want. No, I think that's it. That's that's like that sense of invulnerability is is definitely part of it. Uh, for you know, taking over your better senses of of even just yeah, even just the sense of self preservation. You know, that it's amazing that that doesn't get in the way to me. Um, cause I don't expect people to be moral, but I expect them to be selfish and like not doing a bad thing because you don't want to get in trouble is like, that's, that, that's like a selfish behavior that I expect people more or less to carry out most of the time. Yeah. But not at the grocery store. Okay. Not when you're stealing <laughs> stuff from the grocery store, which is our friends of the show, uh, big shiny takes have been going over this. Everybody go to patreon.com slash big shiny takes and subscribe. That's right to our sister podcast uh, they were there for us from the very beginning and they've been taking on the food professor the goddamn food professor are you aware we of hate this that food guy. professor they're taking yeah they he's are, some sort of he's some sort of uh shill for the weston family they are taking him head on okay because the food professor said it's not right to steal from the grocery store even if the prices are fucking out of control and i couldn't disagree more the food professor is fucking wrong they should call him the food knave it is always, he knows nothing about food it is always morally correct to steal from the grocery store mm -hmm. and i like things that i like to steal include frozen sausages and hagen dots ice cream what do you, you like go. to steal from the grocery store uh prosciutto ah, it's the prosciutto. because it's expensive and very easy to hide yeah yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I actually had a little bit this morning for breakfast uh, from a from a plastic bag. I ate it out of a plastic bag. That's what you do. Yeah, eat a little prosciutto out of a plastic oh, bag. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, get back to this conversation about animation <laughs> district so, creeps. More After that, so I, go over any more sexual assault? Let's talk about sexual assaults for for a bit. We should we should probably put a, a content warning at sure, the beginning we'll of this episode. Warning. We'll, we'll, we'll do a content, content warning. warning. Uh, because uh, I guess we talk about it with this flippancy because it is sort of horrible to behold, especially when you're divorced from it. 
and you know you go through the news cycle and especially when it's something that you care about too because i i care about animation i care about the animation industry and i care about the pressures uh, on this industry you know not only uh do these people not have a union they're just all sorts of there there's a lack of protection for them it, which includes you know what happens if you're working on Rick and Morty. You're an animator working on Rick and Morty. And then this guy, the, the person, it, it hinges on this one guy and he fucks up and then you're fucked. And, you're, you you know, what is your job security? You yeah. don't have a union. You don't have anywhere to <clears throat> turn knew, to. Well, I'm not going to say his name because, but we knew a guy who like worked on the score for a Louie movie. Yeah. For, yeah. For a long ass time. And it was yes. like going to be his way in and then the fucking yeah. louis movies got is like not released never yeah. to be released and this guy's score that he spent so long working on is gone like never to yeah. be released and that just fucks everyone over yeah so it's there that which is also like another like sense of pressure militating against these these fucking creeps like how do you not feel the pressure of okay now a bunch of jobs hinge on you you know you better not fuck up or else all of these people are going to be fucked. Well, these people, like, how are does the, they are just the, the peons. Their brains didn't come up with the genius of Pickle Rick. They couldn't have come up with pick, goddamn Pickle Rick. <laughs> they couldn't have done that. Couldn't have done that. You they couldn't have done uh, the, this improvised dialogue, this uh, improvised patter. Um, something about the animation industry, though. And wh what I, I also think the music industry is like this. Where, because it's specifically youth-oriented as well, it's also going to attract uh, a certain amount of unsavory grooming-type person. Um, because I think, you know, these people, while they have an interest in animation, I think they also realize it is a way for them to uh, interact with children a lot. And you see this in the case of John Crick Falusi, the creator of Ren and Stimpy, who... No, I never went, liked Ren and Stimpy. I never thought oh, it was I, good. See, I loved Ren and Stimpy so much. It's all about so me much. now. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm doing the thing. I'm doing a callback. You're doing, you're doing a callback to the thing. You I'm know? doing that thing. I always, I always could see the sexual assault in <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. I could I mean, see the grooming in Ren and Stimpy. Honestly, okay, here's what happened. My parents didn't let me watch Ren and Stimpy, so they, uh, yeah. that's all I have to say about Ren and Stimpy. They knew. My parents knew. I didn't. Uh, my I had my to watch dad liked Doug. Ren and Stimpy. I had to watch Doug. Oh, No! Doug is so much worse than Ren. Ah, well, you know, it's it's all right. I shouldn't rag on Doug. Jim Jenkins is fine. Is but he? But like Ren and Stimpy. Let's see if there's any allegations. If there's any allegations against Doug creator Jim Jenkins, don't don't laugh. Sorry, stop it's not laughing. Funny. It's not. It's funny. not funny. It's, it's not. Uh, it's not. I, but that's the other aspect of it. Because it's like Ren and Stimpy guy does something horrible. It's it's that incongruity between. The innocuousness, the goofiness of what they do, and the horribleness of of what they also do. So, I think that's part of it too. That's sort of why it, it's sort of the Jimmy Savile strategy too. If I present myself as sort of a weird guy or an eccentric or like a goofy guy, like the allegations won't stick because people are like, "Oh, that's just him. That's just the, that's just the way." Um. And so I, that is also an element of it, the the portraying yourself as a cartoon so that you can uh, so that this cartoon version of you just doesn't seem real enough to to do this horrible thing. Uh, yeah, so there was John Crick Falusi, who is like and, and the thing about Ren and Stimpy is like every animator you meet loves Ren and Stimpy. It, it is like and it's not just of course, there were there were many people on that show, uh, and it, it, the art is not exclusive to John Kay, but it has a lot of his sensibilities in it. It's sort of hard to divorce it. Of course, it became unmoored and unmanageable and horrible with Red and Stimpy adult party cartoon show, which, like, if you were searching for traces of his creepiness in Red and Stimpy, that's the one that you look at, because that's the one that sort of featured a brand of like sexual nihilism and sort of unfunny just like cruelty and brutality in it um whereas the earlier Ren and Stimpy because it they they had to rein it in because it was made for kids 
um, I, I was a lot more adequate in that respect, or a lot a lot less r revealing of the darker intentions of the creator. But the the other thing is like the animation in it is is like, and the animation philosophy of Spoonco, which was never used the same drawing twice, was is it, it's like undoubtedly brilliant. You know, it's undoubtedly uh, something that it, Ren and Stimpy is canonical. It's something that people cite as this immense, it's, it's like this towering achievement of animation that has influenced everybody in the industry, which is, you know, with Rick and Morty, it can be more easily discarded because it's not necessarily in, I guess it's sort of an e epochal show in the way, but it's not like intrinsic to the art of animation. It, it doesn't seem, I, I don't know if anyone is inspired to be an animator because of Rick and Morty, whereas like Ren and Stimpy is like yeah. j just the movement in it. The, well, it's the drawings hard. I mean, I it. don't know. I, I can't say, but I would I think Rick and Morty was so popular that it actually it might have inspired some, you know, teens Oh, it or probably did. It definitely or, inspired or so people to, to, to get into animation. It certainly inspired a bunch of like knockoff shows. Yeah. Um, there's a stylistic I, I, thing like that's copied now. So. I mean, that's how Justin Roiland would get at people, too. He'd find people that would make, uh, like, Rick and Morty fan albums. Like, I made a whole album to Rick and Morty, dedicated to Rick and Morty, when I was, like, 18 years old, and be like, ha-ha, I'm Justin Roiland, I'm, I'm in your DMs now, wow, that was a great album, and then get on to the darker shit. I didn't know, um, I mean, there's, there, I didn't know that there are further allegations besides doing domestic violence. Oh, yeah, they, he, he's been grooming for years, uh, allegedly. Right. It's a sort of a, a poorly kept animation industry secret that Justin Roiland has been creeping out for a while. And uh, it's the same thing. Another thing happened too. We're going to go through all the animation creeps that we can think of here because this is what the show is. This is the topic I've, I've chosen topic. for this week of the show. Um, and uh, one of them is Chris Savino of The Loud House. And, and this is this, this is, is one I don't know. I've never heard of this. So. The, the Loud House is a relatively popular children's show. Um, but um, it's sort of a there. There were there, within it apparently there is text that's a signal to a lot of uh, a lot of people. The Loud House stars thirteen-year-old kids, and there is a disturbing amount of uh, erotic artwork dedicated to this program and it seems to be like within the text of the show itself in the same way that like incest between rick and morty is part of the text of the show itself so you get a lot of like rick and morty incest fan fiction uh, the same way the loud house sort of cultivated this strange um this strange vibe within the show itself mm -hmm. Um, Chris Savino was uh, accused of grooming and sexual harassment and a lot of other stuff and was kicked off the show. I don't know if Loud House is... I don't know if it was canceled or not, but... Yeah, there there is the... There is the, always that disturbing thing of the hiding in plain sight thing where, like, uh, some sort of assaulter will put a code to what they're doing in the text of the show itself, which is only apparent. After you you find yeah. out the allegations, well, which we did, there's we a whole lot before. to psychoanalyze with that. I mean, it's like it's like the company that he's working for is is working to suppress these charges because they're like, this is our money maker. Okay, we can't yeah. have this. We can't have this. We're going to suppress this. The person himself is like, if there's any good, if you if you can see that there's any good part in him at all, maybe a tiny yeah. little part. That part's screaming like, let me out. I'm trapped in here with a horrible guy. Yeah, I'm gonna put these these code messages in my animation, so maybe someone will notice, and I'll go to jail, and I can. Finally, <laughs> I don't know if it's that. Finally, fix myself. Um, but uh, that's 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 trying that's me trying to figure out a way to like find some humanity in them. Um, I don't think I don't think I mean they they have humanity because they're human. Um, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go to bat for any of these people, but. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's more sinister than that. I think it's like I'm putting these coded messages because it it, it gives me a, a weird thrill 
it gives me a weird sort of sexual thrill to put all these coded messages in this stuff for children in the same way that there was all these controversies of like adult stuff in Disney cartoons, mm-hmm. like um, including the real one where that disgruntled animator actually did put penises in the background of the little mermaid artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that wasn't, that was less of a sexual thrill and more, more of a getting back at Disney. But yeah, I, I think there's all this, um, yeah, I, I think the other the other psychosis of being an animator is like, like you'll see a lot of animators who are very uh, horny. Like it just see it just seems to be a natural course of yeah. being an animator because what you've been given is the gift to take all of your sexual fantasies, your thoughts, your darkest sexual fantasies, and you can bring them to life if you want. You can you can make it into a real thing, even the ones that are impossible. That could never happen. So I think there, that's like a dark aspect to why certain people like animation. Can you draw, can you draw me with Jessica Alba? Can <laughs> yeah, you draw that's... me with Jessica Alba, please? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, I don't know if you remember in high school, middle school, everyone was like, Jessica Alba's the hottest woman alive. She, she is hot. She's, I, like, I, huh. I don't know if she's when did the we, hottest. When did we, fellas, when did we hold a vote? I didn't get to vote. She's up there. I, I when she first a dark angel Jessica Alba oh my god she looks so fucking good in in James Cameron's Listen, dark angel what you're doing objectifying her is wrong so quit it I no you can you can say you, you can say a woman looks good but you got to say it in the gay way oh, oh my god okay. she is you know that's <laughs> I don't understand why straight guys just don't talk like gay guys and <laughs> it'll in be order, easier I think, for them I think there is a uh, I think we do at times it's like a tactic to try to get with uh women is to pretend do do I think that's a thing I forget that's the Max Landis it's known as the Max Landis is pretending he, you're gay in order to groom is that what yeah. he allegedly does that's what he allegedly does um man so we're, we're, yeah. we're touching on so many risky topics maybe we'll so many creeps too many creeps is what we're saying yeah there's too many of them which is a great song well, by the bush tetras is every is every man a creep no i i mean not all men hashtag not all men mm, i kind of think we are i think we're all pretty creepy there, there was a. For, I, I remember this. The name of the documentary on Netflix. It was this incendiary title. I never watched it, but it was called "Are All Men Pedophiles?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great name for a documentary. Just getting right to the point. Um, but yeah, I think there is like certain discourse, especially in like the man, the manosphere, the man influencer discourse. There's a lot of like, no men, men are need to go after young pussy. That's that's what we want. It is ingrained in us socially. We need to go after young pussy. You know, it's uh, and obviously that's not true. You don't need to do anything. Uh, <laughs> there is trying to divine inborn responses to stuff is always. I mean, the only things you need to do are like wipe your butt and eat every day. That's really all you need. You don't even do. need to do that. Yes, you, you should. You need to wipe your. Butt. You don't even. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> You're okay. You're okay as you, don't you are. Even need to wipe. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so there are all these elements surrounding these. Cre- and I guess the most unsavory aspect of it too is you are ostensibly making these products for children as well. Well, Rick and Morty is like an adult show. It is uh, kids love it because it's a cartoon. Um, and uh, so y- you wonder if they go in thinking like, I'm going to gain the confidence of a bunch of very young people in order to get at them. Y- you wonder if that is their game plan from the start or if they develop this sort of thing uh, as they get, more powerful and less accountable. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's their game plan. It might be the game plan. I mean, I don't know. Certain professions do attract bad people, right? It seems like for like certain musicians, it seems like for like blood on the dance floor types, that is the game plan. It's like, I'm going to make music specifically so that I can creep on people. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Priesthood attracts certain kind of people, educators, sure. camp counselors, Boy Scouts. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything where you're adjacent to children will attract the creeps. Yeah. But I don't know, like, for you, th- okay, I'm not, not going to, like, argue with you that hard, but 
for you to say like because like not every cartoonist becomes wildly popular and successful you have to be pretty damn lucky so if if you are trying to creep on people and you're like the way i'm going to do it is by becoming a wildly successful cartoonist it's like good (laughs) good luck because you have like a one out of a billion you could have just become a banker you could have you could have just made money in another way to make yourself less accountable be a boy scout person and you will be able to do that way easier and not get caught for like 30 Here's, years these are the tips that we're offering you on this week's house well, of decline no, seriously, like, <laughs> these like, are the pedi- pedi- so I, don't, tips. I don't know if i think it might be a case of the power corrupting um but i don't know i mean because like would justin roiland have if he hadn't become insanely rich and powerful would he have been like this probably yeah who knows i I don't know maybe was he like this before this i don't know how how far the allegations go back i just don't know if like he if like he he was like that and that's why he was like i'm gonna make rick and morty uh as an aside it's funny that now three three cast members of of the show gravity falls uh, it has featured tj miller louis ck and uh now justin roiland (laughs) they've all been They've all been ex out. Well, I thought T.J. Miller got canceled for saying he had a bomb on the train. Yeah, he got he got can- he got double canceled for that and uh, uh, sexual assault allegations well, what while in college. Bag. Where T.J. Miller? We're not we fans. talked about him before. He's like the only one where he's like had part of his brain taken out and became a wildly different person yeah. afterwards. So. I suppose. Um, uh, I, I mean, Roseanne had that brain injury, and that I, did that make her say the thing? Did that make her into a Q person? I love Roseanne. I love. She's, I she's love, a full-on QAnon person I love now, which Roseanne. is disturbing. She is so cool. Recent Trump, Trump Roseanne. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> she because she loves weed so much. Sure, yeah. there's a lot of weed Trump people, though. I love the weed Trump people. <laughs> If if I had my druthers, I'd move to Alaska, live in a cabin, and be a weed trumper. There you go. I'd just be like shooting guns at my door when I thought I heard something. I love marijuana and Donald J. Trump. (laughs) I love smoking weed, shooting guns. Talk about another subset of people that are creeps is uh, the famous libertarian creep. Right, Uh, right. Always, uh, that that is an often profiled set of creep. They're always um, arguing about well, age of consent. Yeah. I I think if they're, I'm not trying to draw a larger conclusion of, about this, except for the fact that I, I think this is something, this is an industry that I care about, that has mounting pressures, and it feels like, there are situations in the industry, especially the fact that employees are non-unionized in it, too, where you have less recourse if you are sexually harassed. So if that's the case, there there is just like, a, how do you root this out? You know, how do you get at this? How do you do you just do it by exposing exposing them? Is that all you can do is uh, just uh, talk about it in the court of public opinion and make it aware and make it known? Is that what you can do to prevent this happening again, or uh, well, that's is the it idea. just? I mean, yeah. is it working? It doesn't. It seems like the Zoomers are all up in doing sexual assault. So I don't know. They fucking love it. <laughs> they they that's love their, doing that's it. Their bread and butter. They're yeah, doing it left and right. They're doing it from Monday through Friday. I I don't know. If that's true. I don't. I don't know if we could take these these to stop all, laughing. All stop you seventeen to twenty five year olds need to quit doing sexual assault. Why, why have I chosen this fucking subject? <laughs> what did I think would happen? Yeah, hey, I I changed the byline to comedy oriented podcast, and then Alex is like, <laughs> "Now we're what, like, you know we're going to delve right into the sexual assault. It's going to be all it's going to be all this horrible stuff." But I I think it's also. It's also instructive to me because it, it is the story of our times, right? I haven't seen Tar. I should see Tar. Oh, yeah. I, it seems we like a movie I would really that, like. But then you didn't watch it. I didn't watch Tar. But I know what the movie's about. And the movie involves Tar. She's being a creep. You know, that's one oh, of the, yeah. the... Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Um, One of the funniest things about Tar, watch Tar and then go read the New Yorker review. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is scathing, but the New Yorker is prominently featured in the movie. 
Yeah. And then they, in real life, gave it a scathing review. But other than, I, I think the New Yorker was the one bad review of Tar. Um, I, I think that's very interesting to me because I, I haven't seen the movie, but I imagine the movie is critical of institutions like the New Yorker who prop up these figures kind of, and make it harder for them to, sort of. to get they, at. They accuse it of being a conservative and regressive movie. Oh, how so? Well, they're because, like... Because well, it, you're supposed to root for Tar? I don't think you're supposed to they, root for that's, Tar. That's what they basically say is happening, but it's it's not. It's a movie about a bad person doing bad things. And there's and, and I don't think the guy, Richard Brody, the reviewer, really understood that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Tar is pretty good. Um, I got the names of the director confused, so I thought it was the same guy that directed Joker. And I was like, wow, he's really... <laughs> it was, he's really you gotten, thought it was Todd. He's gotten way smarter since joker but no it's yeah. not the same guy i was gonna say todd haynes who's the guy that directed just todd haynes is not the director of joker uh-huh but uh, yeah, good. Who, i mean um it's like kind of if you're not like super into classical music you might find it a little bit boring but it does pick up um yeah but i i think part. Importantly about Tar is is it is the story of someone who has created something or has gotten to a position in a field of entertainment where they're able to sort of parlay that love that people have for their art into their darker obsession. Um, and uh, I, I, I think this story of not just it doesn't just happen with sexual assault, but of someone building something up, especially something that is venerated and popular that everyone loves. But then it comes crashing down because they just get to a point where, I don't know, there are no more battles left to win or their hubris has taken it's hubris, over. Or... It's hubris and power. I mean, that's a, that's uh, the theme is, is the power and, and mm-hmm. hubris that accompanies it once you are all powerful. Because you start you're thinking as you're watching her do these things, like, what is she thinking? Why would she risk everything and, every, and her whole family and... Um, the entire like all the people that work under her Mm -hmm. she risks it all for this really silly reason and you it's very hard to understand like arguably the character she plays is is a genius right Mm -hmm. but not at everything yeah you're not you're not and that that's sort of you, you if people are telling you you're a genius and you're a genius and you're a genius and you think you're a genius at everything in life and mm-hmm. no one is. No one is that much of a polymath. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be like a like a like a relationship polymath as well as the best conductor in the world or whatever. You like you, but you think you are. You think everyone loves you, um, and you can do whatever you want and, and manipulate people um, because you can manipulate an orchestra. She's manipulating people in the orchestra. And she thinks she can manipulate people outside of the orchestra. Yeah, manager brain. The ultimate form of manager brain. It's a it's a very good movie. It's very fun. Um well You know what that reminds me of is of fun, which is which is demented compared to normal yeah. people. Well, it's also the movie is like uh it tackles the serious subject, but it's also very funny in a way because you get to see this person fucking up. And it, it's always funny to see somebody fuck up and try to weasel out of something and you know, it, it, they are met with the limitations of their own hubris. Uh, yeah, it's not funny until the end, in my opinion. And then it, okay. it, it becomes funny at the end. Um, right. In a very black, dark humor sort of way, black comedy. Um, so uh, the other movie I watched was White Noise. Based on the Dom DeLillo book. Did you say Dom or Don? Is it Dom DeLillo? No. I think I'm confusing it with Dom DeLuise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Don. Like Don Delilla. Yeah, Yeah. it's not Dom Delilla. Yeah, White Noise is good. Um, very fun. A lot of tie-ins to uh, the pandemic and modern society, which I found very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, really liked the character Adam Driver plays. Um, I think this might have been the first time I saw Greta Gerwig in a movie. She's good. I don't mind Greta Gerwig. I like the movies. I like the Little Women. Um. Don I'll, I'm sure I'll like Barbie. Don Cheadle is in um, White Noise with, I think, some of the funniest lines. Um, Don Cheadle's very funny. He plays a, a professor of of Elvis studies, and um, <laughs> Adam Driver is a professor of Hitler, and so they're best friends. 
It's funny. <laughs> and they have it's just it's it's on Netflix. You should check it out. It's good. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah. You so two to... recommendations. Yeah. 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 Good. A good double feature for you. I think the, the story of Tar as well. Um, it's also the story of J.K. Rowling and Notch from Minecraft and even low tax. I mean, that's what we were talking about last week is the low taxification of reality. And that's the low tax story. You, through through dint of fate and uh, through some positive version of yourself, made something that everybody loved and then you couldn't help but fuck it up. You, you just you're all of it got to you in the worst possible way um and you became sort of drunk with power even in that small low tax way or, just or the, drunk with alcohol <laughs> or drunk with alcohol yes absolutely <laughs> but this this continuing this continuing low taxification where it used to be there was no low taxification you could do this stuff and get away with it because there was no structure uh, to to call people out for it, um, but now in this society that is obsessed with failure and missed opportunities and this lack of a future, we like to see it writ small in these individual stories about people that promise some great thing, only for that to be revealed to be built on this this toxic dark network of of uh of evil that the author was i i i also think you know death of the author is you you can talk about it a lot but i i think the way we consume media now is with the authors in mind i i think it's really hard to divorce yourself from that i think it's easier for some forms of music like um i think it's like very easy for me to listen to wagner like knowing he was a vicious anti-semite what knowing that he probably would have been a Nazi if he had had the opportunity, and uh, even though he he predated them by a hundred years, so that's not really can't really say that. But even even though Wagner had some objectionable shit in his past, to the point where you know, as a Jew listening to him, you're like, should I be listening to Wagner right now? There's even a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about it. Um, but I I think the thing with music though is especially like instrumental music, which is all about sort of uh, emotional cadences and it's inherently abstract and, you know, much more up to the listener to interpret what it means than, say, Rick and Morty, where there is text where you can insert your weird little sexual assault ideas in it. You know, in, in art forms with less text or more abstract text, it is easier to divorce from the artist who made it like, or think about someone like Picasso, you know, he was, he did terrible things and, and we love his work. And I think for most people, it's easy to divorce yourself, uh, from, from the man and what he, what he produced because it's one, it's in the past and two, because it's like, there's something about it that doesn't evidence well, that they, dark side. They talk about all this in Tar. You really got to watch it because both of yeah. those things you mentioned are, are talked about. Um, she plays this speech by Leonard Bernstein where he talks about the expressiveness of music and how it can <laughs> express things that cannot be said in words. Yeah. Which is um, ties into what you're saying. And then and she also has this interaction with a, um, I believe he's dis- they describe themselves as a pangender zoomer in her in her or some kind of some kind of like you know yeah some 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 uh, person who would have some sort of conflict with her stuffy right conservative so this opinion. interaction she has with like a a queer person in her yeah. class who doesn't want to play bach because bach was a misogynist yeah he's an old white man yeah and she not goes off on this tirade about how you don't want to like do you want everything that your identity is summed up later as a reason why people won't like play your music or whatever um yeah because bach did bad things uh i think i don't know i don't know anything about I, bach. yeah I, I don't know anything about it. i i'm sure like i i think in the same way that people are now roundly rejecting or people in academic set- settings are rejecting the western canon of old white guys which i think is good that's uh, it's just probably a good way to explore uh 
intellectual curiosity because there are a ton of composers that are overlooked in favor of the status quo and you know even uh, other composers from those eras um and i think you know the the other thing in the in the in the movie is the kid is like very young right well he's like he's in college age so he's probably 20 or 21 or 22 yeah but even like dressing down college kids i always thought was like those people are still babies to me (laughs) i i never understood what was productive about a professor going like terror ripping into a student like i think the way i i've seen the clip from tar that you're talking about and i remember being talked to by certain professors like that and it's like an intimidating and humiliating an awful experience yeah she was being intimidating i mean it's not the way you should do it um but like it's also on the other hand frustrating when someone just rejects bach like just like out yeah of but hand. i i think that's that i that's part of the movie too where he, he, she's sort of in that speech you're sort of a, a little sympathetic to her idea she because she sort of articulates it in a in an interesting way or in an authoritative way the movie at that point gets you to sympathize with tar just a little or at least uh, allow you to see some of the logic of what she's saying which then i think later in the movie that gets turned around though. yeah it does i mean there's this she has this discussion with someone who they're talking about a composer who supposedly kicked his wife down the stairs and then she kind of laughs about it with the guy and you're like jesus yeah like, oh, wow this is dark um you know it's a movie that i think a lot about because I watch it again, especially in the context of new allegations against Brad Pitt, um, which which very much changes the context of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino, which is a movie which about a fantasy of the problematic man being useful or somehow good or vindicated in some way. There was like a time when the bad man was uh someone who would be able to sustain a life in hollywood but their their way was uh their lifestyle their who they were was just inevitably rejected in once upon a time in hollywood you have all these references to uh uh, robert blake and like bill cosby and even roman polanski himself is a character in the movie as, as a problematic man who was eventually canceled and um you know the character brad pitt He's a wife murderer in the book, in the novelized version, it confirms that he did murder his wife, but you're still expected to have some sort of sympathy or root for the character in some way because he murders the Manson family people. Hmm. But I don't know if Tarantino was trying to say this in the movie, but the Manson family kids are right. (laughs) They're they're correct. These people should be murdered. Maybe not poor, innocent margot robbie the picture of innocence uh margot robbie but um you know uh, they they were this unrepentant wife killer played by brad pitt who is allegedly an unrepentant wife beater and child abuser (laughs) you know maybe they should kill these guys maybe the manson family kids were right and maybe it is a it is like a weird tragedy to see them destroyed (laughs) in this way you know, obviously that's that's not true, but I, I think that's part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. It like pushes those buttons and sort of gets you to reevaluate. But it it seems like overwhelmingly in favor of the bad man. You know how like in True Detective, uh, uh, Rust says the world needs bad men, Marty. They prevent the other bad men from coming to the door. I think there's that mentality amongst certain people that would protect assaulters and predators where it's like you need people with these fucked up behaviors in your life or because that's where the mojo comes from you know that's where the i think there is sort of a weird sort of preservational aspect amongst people that want to have their problematic faves as well sort of a recapitulation of them by sort of using the noble idea of like oh everyone is more than just the worst part of themselves it's very you know that's a christian idea you can come back from it you can, and as long as you accept the light of God into you, know, you can make your life useful. Which is why I think a lot of, uh, a lot of criminals who are genuinely guilty about what they've done often turn to religion because it has that message of you can always come back. But I think, 
in sort of a, a more truthful sense, some things you really can't come back from. There's like nothing you can do to make it better or absolve it or enough good you can do to necessarily offset it in some way. There's just like a harsh truth that uh, a lot of people uh, don't want to accept. As more, uh, it's funny, like, uh, uh, did you see Barbarian was uh, another thing that keeps getting referenced as these uh, sexual assault scandals keep right, coming up. Right, because of that character who's yeah. driving the famous, sort of the meme is now he's driving yeah. in the car, blissfully unaware of the allegations that are about to drop. Yeah, um, but that movie is canny too, because, uh, spoilers for Barbarian, in, in the end, um... He just uh, Justin Long. I was about to say Justin Roiland. Justin Long has this big speech about how he wants to improve as a person, but then ends up shoving our protagonist hero off of a water tower as an act of self-preservation. Like he he makes all of these errors towards self-improvement, and you can be a better person, but inevitably just resorts to the the self-interested uh, thing again. So I, I think that's another aspect of it, too, where it's like uh, people sort of get at that that desire that everyone has for redemption and then they pin it on themselves. You know, I have done I have done bad things, but I can be redeemed. Hell, that's what Dan Harmon did. That 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 was his big thing. That was his pitch to for why he should be excused for his previous actions and continue making stuff and benefiting off of uh, fame. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues associated with this, um, and the reason why it is important to me. I'm mean, I'm just gonna wrap up here. We're nearing about that time, coming around about, about that time. But the reason why this is important to me is because there is this desire to have this art form that you like, not plagued by. Uh, these uh, these scandals or these things where it takes like the medium of the art form or the unique qualities of the art form or why it makes it attractive to certain people and to take that attraction and to turn it on its head and uh, make it into something uh, just wrong. You know, it's that that detournement of evil that is what get at me and why I felt compelled to talk about this for for an hour. Um. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's just, with animation, it's just particularly creepy, too, because you have the, I'm a goofy, zany guy, and I'm using it to cover up this terrible shit in a way that you don't necessarily have with, you know, maybe stand-up comedy is is a close analog to that, because that's how creeps like Chris Delia would sort of get at people and dog allegations. He's like, how could it be Chris Delia? He makes a face. He makes mm -hmm. a, he's a weird guy. He makes a face. How, how could he do these things? So, yeah, just like be be skeptical of entertainers. <laughs> be skeptical of anyone trying to earn your confidence through artwork. They might be doing it. <laughs> no, that's also like a terrible way to live your life. I think um, what you should do is, well, you should enjoy art. You shouldn't use art as avatars of your own personality. Use your personality as your personality. Sometimes you feel the instinct to, like, you enjoy a piece of art or a piece of entertainment so much, you grasp onto it, and it becomes endemic. It becomes one of the, the, the pillars holding your consciousness up. And you shouldn't do that. You should, you, should, you should have pillars based on values and actions as opposed to pieces of entertainment product. They can color your life in an interesting way, but they shouldn't form foundations of your personality. And I think that's why these revelations can be so shattering to people, especially when it involves art or entertainers or yes, something that someone emotionally communes with. You heard it here first. Don't be a stan. Uh, don't stan. Stop doing that. It's stan weird. Your, stan yourself. The whole point of the song is that it's weird to do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Have you? Did you even listen to Stan? Like, really listen to the lyrics of Stan? Come on, he's not healthy. He's <laughs> fucked up. Don't do that. Just yeah. He's of, abusing Dido. It's you don't want to do that. You don't want to abuse Dido. Just like nod your head to the song a little bit. Turn it off. All right. Have a good day. Go outside. Mm -hmm. Walk your dog. Yeah. 
And, and also go to patreon.com slash patreon.com slash house of decline okay um thanks for sticking with us everyone uh as we take on these serious subjects and uh have a good day and take care bye